When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody, this would be the Jeff Cameron Show on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. We're doing it a little different today, obviously, uh, working from the house. For those that are watching in the chat, uh, we are not live in the studio today. A couple reasons for that. First of all, uh, the, the storm has, for whatever reason, uh, frightened the world in, in, in Leon County, anyhow, and uh, made it so that nobody goes to school. So my kids are home. And uh, parents are scrambling today. You guys can relate to that. And then secondly, uh, we've got a lot of um, construction stuff going on in the studio at uh, Real Talk. Uh, it's going to make for a better studio, but it doesn't make for great live broadcasting while they're knocking down walls. So a couple things. We are not alive in the studio today. We are at the house, and this was recorded uh, just a little bit ago, short time ago, right before we went on the air. would normally go on the air. So it's fresh content. It's just not live, and we're required to tell you that. All right, let's welcome him in. It is Redemption Thursday. We've got picks, Tommy. We got to get to. I had a winning week last week. I got to double check on that number. I think it was close. I think it was like same thing. I think it was like a six and four mark. Uh, week before, I did six, three, and one. Um, but that's back to back, and that was on the heels of the one really good week. So we're starting to put it together. It's taken a little time, but we have found a way, and now here we go. They're up on the board, uh, brought to you by our friends at Metro Deli. I don't see why not. I'll remind everybody, is that 11 a.m., Tom? I believe it is. Yeah, 11, 11 a.m. is the 20th anniversary of our friends at Metro Deli. It's in downtown Tallahassee. You can't miss it. It's just between okay. college, college and park. Uh, you'll see a long line. They've got some stuff outside. Uh, the storefront on Saturday morning. It'll be from 11 all the way to 5 p.m. They got live music from 3 to 5. You'll be able to take in the college football games starting at noon. They've got a couple of TVs on either end of the shop. Plus, it is free beer while supplies last. They just want to thank everybody in Tallahassee for 20 great years. And what a great way to do it with their food plus free beer while supplies last. Nicely done, Metro Delta. And we thank them for sponsoring Redemption Thursday. Florida State, right off the bat, top of my board, right on top of the card. Yes, I'm betting it in my personal life. FSU minus seven at Syracuse. Lay it. I'll tell you something else. You could have got six and a half earlier in the week. This guy may have. 
if you did, that's a good, that's a better number. That's a gooder number, Tom. That's a, that's a gooder number right there is that minus six and a half as opposed to the seven. Uh, but I also took FSU team total over 29 and a half. I'm going to ride the wave, man. I just, I really am in love with this offense and the way they're playing right now. They seem so in sync. They're, they, they get into a rhythm early in games. Uh, Mike's knack for play calling right now. He is in a zone, really is. It, really, almost everything he chooses to do seems to work, and when it doesn't work, it's usually not because of the play call. It's a kid making a great play on the other side, somebody missing a throw, maybe you know somebody trips, something like that. Like the play, when you go back and watch the games, and I know you do this too, when you watch the plays that don't succeed, you're like, well, they had it. They had it right there. They could have been something, but uh, you know, so-and-so tripped or – you know, sometimes individuals get whipped. It is football. It does happen. But the play is usually the right play. So I'll go over that team total. My fear, we were talking about this some off the air. My fear is honestly that Syracuse will control the football a little bit because if they are able to establish the run, it does look like Schrader is going to play. Uh, I've, I was reading around some of their boards uh, up there at Syracuse. He's practiced all week, Tom. Uh, I do think, I think he's going to play. So the bottom line is if he does, it makes our task a little bit more difficult. Game could end up being fewer possessions, and you would get screwed on the uh, team total over there. But uh, if that doesn't happen, I like Florida State to go over. I took Michigan and laid the 30-and-a-half. If this were 31-and-a-half, I wouldn't have touched it, but it's not. It's 30-and-a-half. So I will lay 30-and-a-half. Nebraska is in a bad way. By the way, there are benefits to doing that show with Nebraska that I do that I sometimes reference on this show. They're beat to hell. Their number one defensive player is a safety. He is out due to a arrest. So that's a toughie. He was arrested uh, and charged with DUI. He has been suspended. He is their second leading tackler. He was their leading tackler last year. He also leads the team in snaps played. He is their unquestioned best player, and he's not going to play in this game. They were already decided underdogs. Their starting quarterback is not going to play either. They hate Chubba Purdy. He has been awful any chance he's gotten. So I don't know if that warms the heart of FSU fans, but it should be noted that he's not any good at all. And so they may have to play their third-string quarterback. I'm taking Michigan and laying it. Pitt minus four and a half against Virginia. Kind of a hunch play here. I like Pitt by more than a touchdown, so I had to lay the four and a half. Georgia Tech and a pick them against Miami. Georgia Tech plays hard. They won last week at, at Virginia Tech. Um, if you if you watch that team play, they got overwhelmed by a much better Florida State team, but it wasn't for a lack of effort. They do try. It sandwiched around Florida State's ass-kicking of Georgia Tech are two pretty good performances from them. They do play hard, and I think they'll play hard here, and I'm not so sure Miami's going to play hard anymore, folks. I, I don't know that they have uh, the will to play hard, and they're also injured at quarterback. I'll take Georgia Tech to win the game outright. App State minus one against Marshall. If there was a siren to be hit, you know, there it is. Thomas hit the app state. Uh, Marshall's got some questions at quarterback themselves with injury. I like app state here because of that South Carolina plus eight against Florida. This is more about Florida's defense being awful than it is about South Carolina. I do think South Carolina will hang in this game. I don't think they'll win this game, but I like the eight points Get more than a touchdown. They'll hang around. They'll score a lot of points. Everybody does against Florida's defense. Kansas plus three and a half against Texas Tech. Uh, Lance Leipold is unquestionably one of the best coaches in the country, and they were on a huge roll and obviously lost their quarterback due to injury and yet hung in there. Even the games that they lost during that stretch, 
They were in them late. They had opportunities. Uh, they're getting back healthy right now. I just like to ride that train. Texas Tech is blah. Give me Kansas plus three and a half on the road. Wake minus three and a half. Finally, uh, North Carolina's defense is going to come back to haunt them. I think Wake will light them up offensively in a score fest here. Give me Wake at home and lay the three and a half. Uh, North Carolina comes crashing back to earth, although they are a good team. They're just not a great team. Give me Wake. South Alabama minus 16 and a half against Texas State. We pay attention to South Alabama because they're nearby and uh, there's a friend who likes South Alabama and talks to me when he really likes South Alabama. And so, you know, you got to use, you got to use what you got. You got to use what you got. You got to have people, you know, where we're trying to ascend to. And I see the, I see the uh, gif there. That is good. The, uh, <laughs> woo, 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 woo. There you go. I, I will tell you, the goal is to ascend to a place in our gambling prowess where I got dudes all over the map. You know, I got my Nebraska guy cause I work with them. So by that connection, I might be introduced to a big 10 guy, a guy who's got a good feel for big 10 teams, Tommy. And then maybe I get a PAC 12 guy soon. I find a guy that maybe I do the show with on Sunday mornings. Who's, also a sporting guy and he's got a feel for the pac 12 and their personnel and who's out in a given week, right? We're the ACC guy. We'll help our friends out in the ACC. We're close enough to the sec that we can observe closely there. You just got to have people planted. You got to have them all around. And I happen to have a South Alabama guy and he says latest 16 and a half. So I did. And that is a look at your redemption Thursday wagers. Let's try to make it three weeks in a row and roll on big river. Maybe later in the show, I'll sprinkle in my little NFL money line parlay. Yeah, you know, one thing you said about Coach Norvell and the way he schemes up game plans and some of the plays that are not successful. For a moment, when I thought about that, I saw a montage of maybe seven or eight runs by different Florida State running backs where they get just leg whipped. You know, it's the last guy it, yeah. you know, as, he's, as you're exiting the gap created, the giant hole that either counter creates or whatever. Well, we create an extra gap all the time. Uh, it's awesome to watch us do this. And you see an arm reach out or a hand reach out and grab a shin, and then the guy goes down. And I thought to myself in that moment, because these are good running backs here. I'm not, I'm not denigrating these running backs. But imagine you had Dalvin Cook with, <laughs> scheme, with this scheme. Could you imagine the productivity? Just everybody else is the same. All the other 10 players are the same, but yeah. you enter Dalvin Cook into this running attack, the numbers he would have produced would have been absurd. Well, there's a suddenness about Dalvin Cook that strikes me even today when I watch NFL games with him. And if you have the ability to be sudden in the National Football League, you are really fast. You are you are ridiculous. Your quickness is uh, beyond reason. Uh, it's preternaturally great. Because those guys... Watching NFL football is an exercise in, in, I think, a humbling exercise if you ever fancied yourself an athlete. Watching those guys run and jump and hit and the violence and the speed and the anticipation and the intelligence like that, that is world class, obviously. And Dalvin is quick to get to the line and set people up, even in that league, yep. even against the best defenders in the world. Um, so you're right. You know, the further removed we get from Dalvin, 
the, you know, I thought he was the best running back in Florida State history while he was here. We talked about that a lot. I remember the debate would rage on. And after a while, even the people that were like, no, man, and, you know, people who would side would say work done or whomever. I think over time they were kind of like, yeah, yeah, maybe Dal- maybe, maybe Dalvin is, is just better. He is. Yeah, what didn't he have? That was the thing. It's like, oh, you want breakaway speed? You want elusiveness? You want acceleration? You want strength? the ability to break a tackle? Yeah, I mean, he had all those things. Was he uh, a bowling ball like Greg Jones? No. Was he as elusive as Warwick done? Maybe not in terms of being brought down. Warwick never got squared up on a tackle ever in his life. But when you put all those tools together, my God, it was breathtaking. And great hands, too, Tom. He's got the most underrated hands of the group, too. Like he, that catch he made last week, one handed in the back of the end zone. That's stuff receivers do, man. He's, he has great hands. That's why Jimbo loved him, by the way. Every time I would talk to Jimbo about Dalvin Cook, he'd be like, man, he can really catch, he can really catch, too. He can, you should just watch him catch it, you know? And I'm oh, like, well, I do. That, that's true. Also, in this scheme with the wheel route, I mean, you're dead. You're a dead man oh, walking with man. that guy. And then all that said, Tofili's really good at that. Really oh, good at that. he is. There's no, there's no question. But I, the separator for Dalvin was really simple. It was here. It was, it was the angles, the calculations that he mm-hmm. could do in his mind was just unbelievable. That he knew while he was juking the linebacker that that was a, a fixed issue. He's going to take an extra half step inside to make sure the safety takes a poor angle, so that right. way he can set up and bounce around. It is the dumbest thing you ever saw. But the good thing is we should be attracting players like Dalvin Cook out of high school because when you turn on the tape of Florida State and the way we run the football, and hopefully that's what we see again this weekend on the way to covering minus seven and hitting team total over 29 and a half, this is as attractive a place as it gets because here's the good news. The offensive line figures only to get better over the next two to three seasons. had a good conversation with somebody about that um, in the coaching ranks uh, yesterday and we were talking about how exciting that that really is where the excitement lies, right? It's, it's that the line's going to get even better. And we don't think Alex Atkins is going to take the Charlotte job. So if he doesn't take the Charlotte job, which I don't think he will, um, then he's back for another year. You got him for at least one more year and you got to make hay because he's going to have real tools to work with players that have gotten bigger and stronger and longer and just have more natural gifts Armello will be a full-time starter uh, who I think can be a special player. Um, Estes is one of the strongest players in the conference, uh, at least by the measurements that we read and what we hear. He's also got some nastiness to him. Now he's got to get better from a, from a technique standpoint. Um, He's got some technical issues to work on, but who better to fix that than Alex Adkins? So a point on Estes that I'd say is they're working on that very, very hard. They're spending a lot of time with him to refine his game. I think that if they simplified things for him, he could be a reserve, a primary reserve right now, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But they're trying to groom him and push him. And it, there are times, certain players, it goes this way. You coach every player differently. But there are times it's it's downright something out of an officer and a gentleman. You're like, my God. Well, I, I'll say this. I mean, I don't think this is cruel. I'll, I'll take one of the lighter moments that I saw. Um, Estes got told by Atkins, that's okay. We need backups as well. <laughs> right. I, 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 I spit out my gum. I was like, he took a he took a false step, and I just cracked up. You're like, that's all right, son. We need backups. They know the guys who can handle that too. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. But at Atkins will tell you, I'm your friend when we're in the the room, the video room. But then on the field, I'm going to coach you really, really hard. 
And they're doing that for all those guys. I mean, Armella gets challenged on a daily basis like oh, that. Sure. Uh, the fun part is I, I just love the mutual respect. And, and this is where watching those trench drills so often is just a joy. You know, they don't get a ton of reps, each of these players, when they do that drill because it goes down the line rep by rep. So you might get two or three cracks at it if you're lucky four. Mm-hmm. But when you see Jared Verse want to take on Armella, you know, like he walks over and there is there's a point to be made because Armella will be later in the period because they go down by merit and, and depth chart. But Verse wants a piece of it and they both understand, respect each other, say hello, and then go to battle. It's like yeah. a heavyweight tilt. There are times when Armella gets the best of Verse, and it's really impressive. And then there are times when Verse just puts Armella in the turf, and you go, yeah. oh, my God. Well, but they get up, and then they congratulate each other, and then they get better. I just – those types of things beyond what Alex Atkins does, we're getting to a place where the competition between yeah. the defensive front and the offensive front – Day by day, they make each other better. I'm not going to use Corey's uh, phrase that's overused, but you get the point. It's great to see, and it's only going to foster better depth on both the lines of scrimmage in the years to come. Well, it's something to follow up on. I want to do that next because you you kind of walked right into an area that we haven't spoken much about. We did a year ago, and we certainly did two years ago. I'll, I'll expound on that in a moment. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Welcome back, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I, I was thinking, we were just talking about it a moment ago, Tom. One of the things that gets lost in the shuffle so often when you watch a game and you talk about why something works or doesn't work, what's you know, what's a problem, a persistent problem for Florida State, we always, we're probably hypercritical of the team we cover because we see all their warts. We get the opportunity, thanks to Mike Norvell's policy, to watch practice, and we, we know each individual player's weaknesses and strengths and, and everything in between, and then, we watch it play out on a Saturday, but for a long time here during the downturn uh, with the losing seasons and the frustration mounting and the, the angst uh, as to whether or not Florida state was ever going to get back to where they needed to be. The thing that didn't get talked about enough was they had so few in the way of good players and depth of good players. They really could not practice to get better. 
You had to practice to survive. You had to like, basically you had to protect the few good players you had that gave you a chance to win. You couldn't challenge them and go to war with them. Scrimmages scared everybody to death because if you lose one of those guys and an already pretty bad season was going to turn into an awful season. And I, I just don't think the talent was where those guys could push each other the way you were describing Verse and Armella pushing each other at the end of the last segment. You didn't have plus players across from one another. You might have a plus player here and a guy and a guy that's going against him, just a guy. And then over here you had, you know, maybe the drill would be one, the rep would be run by a defensive player and we would observe it and we'd be like, well, he's a, he's a good player going against a bum relative to what the expectation is and the standard is. And you're like, well, I don't know. And that's why we would so often be shocked. And we would, we fell victim to this, you, me, and everybody that covers this team. We'd see, for example, uh, the most notable example, DBs dominating receivers a year ago and winning every single rep. And at some point you watch enough of that. And because you don't have context, you can't see Clemson practice. You don't get to watch Alabama practice or Georgia practice or even North Carolina or middling teams. You don't get to see them practice. So at some point you're just convinced that the defensive backs must be pretty good because surely these kids at wide receiver can't just be the dregs of the conference. They can't be the worst receiving core in the conference. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. Turns out they were the worst receiving core in the conference. We just didn't know it. We thought the DBs were elite. Eh, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. The DBs were not elite. The receivers were terrible. But now, when you watch practice, you might see Azaria Thomas going against Johnny Wilson. You might see two guys you know can play. Azaria projects very well. We all know that. And he has the athletic prowess and the gifts, and he's a smart kid, and he works hard. That's going to work. He's going to be a good player. And we already know that, look, Pokey's a good player. He's a good receiver. Not an elite receiver, but he's a good receiver. Johnny Wilson's a good receiver. Michael Pippen's a good receiver. They got guys. Yeah, and seven-on-sevens, you know, it usually tilts towards the receivers, I'd say. There are days where where the defensive backs went. I thought Tuesday was one of those where it was a a pass breakup fest in seven-on-seven that I saw. And that particular day, just to take folks through practice, you know, they run seven on seven periods at two very different points of practice. So I get to see the early one and then the late one, they split between trenches and then they do it again. And um, I thought on Tuesday, the defensive backs had about as good of a day as they've had. You combine that with what I saw before the Miami game, which was they were better in zone coverage. It looked like, it looked like they were quicker too in some of the blitz things that they were dialing up. It seems like they're really late bloomers again for the second straight year see if it continues against Garrett Schrader this weekend. It's a better test to see if the defensive backs have improved if Garrett Schrader plays because he can make throws, and especially if you're hesitant, he'll make quick throws on you and you'll look silly. So I want to see how that plays out. But for the the trench battles, I mean, some of the best battles I've seen since back in camp, most every day, Demetri Emanuel and Farmer go head-to-head, and they have some epic days. And by (laughs) epic days, I mean there are days where Farmer – is a clear-cut winner, and it's almost embarrassing for 71. And then there are other days where Dimitri just controls Joshua, and you're like, are you trying? Are you even trying? Because when the offensive line wins the battle, it looks like it looks so easy that maybe the defensive line doesn't give a damn on that day. But it goes back and forth, and that's how everybody gets better together. I've seen Jazz at right tackle 
own certain days. And you go, well, that's in him. And then other days I, I say, well, I see why his pro football focus grade in a couple of games last year was a 20. You know, it just depends. But also some of the younger guys that are coming up, Julian Armel is one of them. Kanaya Charlton is another player I'm really interested to see develop, not just in spring, but also next fall. He's lost a lot of weight. He's gotten a lot trimmer. I asked some of the, to, yeah. our colleagues at War Chances. I mean, even from spring to fall, that was one jump. But since the start of fall camp to now, I asked Ira and Corey, I said, does he look a little slimmer to you? And they said, yeah, he does. There are days where 69 in the white jersey looks really, really good. And then there are other days where he looks very much like a freshman. But it's against named players. You know what you're observing them going against because it is Josh Farmer or Malcolm Ray or Jarrett Jackson. To your point, it's not just dudes or walk-ons or scout team players. And that's where you get a sense that competition is going to breed a greater sense of depth. And this year, we were wondering how many players could you lose on the offensive line and still be functional as an offense. And we speculated maybe one or two, maybe three if it's all the right positions. But they lost significant depth on the offensive line, and they've been more than functional. They've been good. That's it. We're at a different place now, and that should be the standard moving forward. Well, he has a an act as Alex Adkins of coaching up players to have some measure of success regardless of their talents. So, you know, if you have Alex Adkins, and I'm obviously heaping praise upon him yet again, but if you have Alex Adkins, you've got a fighting chance with average players. And that's the kind of that speaks to being an elite coach. Uh, if you have good players, better players, and you have Alex Atkins, well, then you run for 200-plus yards a game. I mean, then, then you start doing things that we're seeing Florida State do, and Florida State's linemen are going to get better. They're going to get better because the other guys behind the starters right now have a brighter outlook, and, and that's exciting. And they'll get some dudes back. It'll be interesting to see uh, what this group looks like next year, what that starting group looks like, because they've got a lot to choose from. The other part of that, and expounding on that further, it also allows you to simulate things with real speed. Um, so when you're at practice and you're trying to show your offensive line or show your defensive, uh, let's say the box, right? You're just trying to show the seven in the box maybe. Um, hey, this is what they're going to look like. This is what they're going to do. You have athletes now that can rep it, and it's similar to what you're going to see on a Saturday. Now, you can never replicate perfectly what a team does every day right? You know, I mean, you're not, if that's not what you do, unless you both run the same offense, but if that's not what you do, you you can't possibly rep it the way they rep it, but you can come close if you got athletes, at least to the speed. And I think that the defense now gets a better look uh, and the offense gets a better look because the team is more talented and a little deeper and faster than they've been in the last three years. So that that's also another way where practice changes everything about how you play on Saturday, not just because you're repping what you want to do, not just because you've got, you know, a good understanding of what Alex Atkins wants you to do, but because the competition's been raised and you can rep uh, when in install, you can rep exactly what the other team's going to be in and it can be as Pretty close to as fast. Yeah, to your point, and I'll, I'll go to skill really quickly before circling back to the trenches. But if the receivers dominate the defensive backs in a given day in seven on seven and maybe in team drills as well, that would be embarrassing last year. That would be, I mean, you would be reamed if you're in the defensive back room next time you meet with your position coach or with Adam Fuller. That's not embarrassing anymore. Like you've got some play, like if Johnny owns seven on seven, yeah. And so does Ja'Kai Douglas because you're in a one-on-one coverage drill and that guy's shot out of a cannon. And then Micah Pittman's able to use body control on the sideline and make a couple of big catches. I mean, really, is that anything 
that you should be screamed at, you know, if you're a defensive back forward? No, it, it's not. It's We're in a different place at that specific position. And then one thing I want to bookmark this for after the bowl game, because we're going to a bowl game. We didn't really note that this week, but Florida State is bowl eligible, and we are indeed we guaranteed. We will play in a bowl game. We won't just be sitting around here watching everybody else, which is enjoyable. We'll have one to cover as well, yes. The bowl swag segment will include what Florida State gets, and we'll see yeah. Cowboy boots, a belt buckle, or or a gift suite. We'll see. Probably a gift suite. But when this season is over and that bowl game is over, I look forward to talking about some of the advanced tactics that they're teaching for the offensive line. This is no longer an introductory level remedial course where they're just hoping. It's mm -hmm. like you know composition when you get into freshman year. It's like they're. It's more than just putting a sentence together and then getting a pass fail. They are now going to graduate level studies and some of the things they do. I don't promise to or pretend to know about the leverage or the steps or how it how it works. I just know the overarching theme and philosophy behind some of the things they're doing. And with that group of the top two lines of the depth chart, they're going through that stuff while all the freshmen are getting the remedial training. There would never be a section for the basics and a section for the advanced Correct. in the last five seasons. Now there is. It's really exciting. And some of the tactics they're doing are really interesting because – if you're the reason you're teaching this is because if you're Alex Atkins, you believe that we don't have to worry about the small stuff. Let's get to some interesting stuff and complex stuff to make that defense think about what's coming next. And then when they think you're going to beat their ass. I thought it was interesting earlier this year when Alex blamed himself for some of the confusion and some of the fight being taken to their offensive line. It, it he was angered with uh, the wake forest game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was angered about their response to what Wake did. He was angered by the empty possessions. I think it was six straight empty possessions. He was angered by all of that because he felt like that they were being beat to the punch, that they were reactive, and they were not the ones that were setting the tone or dictating terms. It's I use the phrase dictating terms all the time because when we talk about football, it's the line of scrimmage and who's dictating terms and, and you know resetting the line of scrimmage on defense and obviously establishing a yard, two yards down the field, uh, a new line of scrimmage on offense, uh, creating an extra gap through scheme, and, um, and, and really steamrolling people, wearing people out, taking correct angles, all of that. But football is still about domination and bringing the fight. And Florida State's in a position right now, certainly offensively, to kind of consistently do that, uh, certainly against middling ACC teams. And, and that's not a knock on us because we did it pretty well against LSU as well. So. I think, I think that that is now what we expect to see every weekend. And that's just a reminder to folks that that is completely different. When we went through the stages where I would call the offensive line, uh, I'd call them sorry ass or ass sorry. And then later on, I just said they were sorry. And later on, they were average to below average, slightly below average. And I, the fight to get to average was a phrase I used all the time. Can we just be average? Can we uh, aspire to be average was what I would say every day. Just think about how far removed we are from that. I mean, when we watch this offensive line now, the expectation is, can we dominate? Right. That right. is a very different talking point, and it's a very different way of viewing a football game, and it's certainly one that infuses all kinds of hope. Yeah, one thing that Atkins had said after the Wake Forest game and, and when he expressed his disappointment was, when they came to the sidelines, there was an oh moment, as in, oh, right, I should have done that, instead of 
this is what happens. You know, mm-hmm. so they, they knew the answers in the classroom in a way, but then the application of those answers was just it wasn't instinct. And note that the next week they started running more outside zone. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but the next week against NC State, they ran it so much I was a little concerned by it, but yeah. it, it paid off the following game against Clemson. We go, oh crap, they could this is just what they do now. They can do it, yeah. The by question, way, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say the question about this weekend against Syracuse, you know, we ran counter 30, 32 times, whatever it was, according to Miami's metrics. And sure they would count because they've got to teach on that. Right. They got destroyed by it. But I don't know that you want to run counter a ton against this 3-3-5 because what that's doing is taking an offensive line and uh, a group of tight ends that aren't the fleetest of foot and forcing them to get to a level deeper than they normally would get to set blocks in order to pave the way for the running backs. This Syracuse group is slippery. The front six, the 3-3-5, is slippery. And if you're not fully engaged, they're going to get by you, and they're very good at tackling and closing something down for a gain of two, where against maybe a standard 4-2-5, it'd be a gain of five or six or seven. So I wonder this week if it's more straight ahead and more outside zone. I think it needs to be a little bit more slow developing for the running back, but straight ahead for the offensive line. We'll see if that bears out, because against the 3-3-5 of NC State, they didn't really care. It'll be interesting to see what they do now because their confidence has to be so much higher this weekend. I do think you're going to see a lot of outside zone. Um, and I, I think they can line up and bully uh, Syracuse. That happened, by the way, by with Notre Dame. They, they bullied Syracuse. Notre, uh, if, if you talk to Syracuse people, they would say it's three games in a row that they have really struggled against the run. And they're very frustrated by that. They're starting to ask questions, what's happening on defense. You know, Syracuse is number two in the ACC in scoring defense, despite this three-game losing streak. But they are a team that have begun to reveal some blemishes, some cracks in the armor. A lot of that was early in the season, that domination. Obviously, they came out the gates with that huge 31-7 to win. We were all like, what's going on at Syracuse? Goodness gracious, you know. Um, it was against Louisville, wasn't it? Um, yes. Right off the bat, yeah. So they had they did some things early in the season where they were able to amass some numbers that were very impressive, hence the six-game win streak. But in these losses, they're getting run on. Teams are lining up and running the football on them. And it's it's timing matters. We're we're going into a game right now where we have to feel very good about how physical we are, and Syracuse is questioning. And you noted it though after the Louisville game, how many times the Cardinals were over the 50 yard line and in scoring territory, and how many times they came up empty in those situations. Oh, yeah, it was a it was a lot. I remember saying that to you afterwards. I was like, well, that score's a little deceiving. Yeah. So is the Clemson one. Clemson ran up and down the field on Syracuse, but a couple of big time turnovers on their half of the field, in addition to one of those turnovers leading directly to seven points, a short field and a touchdown for Syracuse. It's a 14 point swing there. I, you're talking about a 17 to 20 point swing. Clemson still wins the game, even though they look shaky in the second half with a freshman quarterback. I mean, that really should be a margin of victory for Clemson. Uh, you know, if you play it standard about 17 to 20 points, but it's not. And so that scares you all the more. Also, weird crap happens in that building. The Purdue Syracuse game earlier this oh, year. Should have been, it should have been a Purdue victory to the tune of 17 to 20 points. And look at what happens. Syracuse finds a way. It's just strange things happen in the dome. So that's the thing. You're you're almost fighting demons. And also, when you shrink the amount of possessions, every mistake you make is more magnified. So that's the other thing. But the bottom line is, up front, Syracuse averages 
255 pounds across the defensive line. The fact that they're number two in scoring defense to me says two things. One, they're a little bit lucky on turnovers and their margin, their top 20 in the country in turnover margin. It's either plus seven or plus eight entering this weekend. But then number two, they're doing a good job scheming around their deficiencies and just hoping that you make a mistake. That's also coaching, too. And that's why they play so soft in the back end, because they know they're weak and they're forcing you to execute a 10 play drive if you can. Yeah, I think sometimes you can boil things down to. Statistically, anyhow, the, the, the ship being righted. Yeah. When you are plus whatever they were for the largest portion of this season in turnovers, you're going to win games you have no business winning. You're going to win some games by scores that are deceiving in terms of what the yards per play said it should have been. Um, when a team goes 0 for 5 in the red zone with two turnovers, I mean, that, that's nuts. That happened earlier this year for Syracuse, <laughs> and, and, and that's nuts. Yeah, Clemson won the, uh, lost the turnover battle by four. I think it was yeah. four to nothing. Four to yeah. nothing, and they won the football game. That tells you. Yeah. It reminds me of Bengals-Steelers uh, in week one of the NFL season. Correct. The Bengals were much better, yes, and, and they lost. Yeah, they lost the game. Well, I mean, I'll give you a good example. I mean, if you, if you think about that last week or the, the week before when Notre Dame beat Syracuse, the game begins with a pick six for Notre Dame. Notre Dame was like last in turnover margin for much of this season. The big talking point from the Notre Dame people that I interviewed were like, oh, my God, we won a turnover battle. It's never happened. We haven't won one all year long. If you talk to the Syracuse people, oh, my God, we lost a turnover battle. It hasn't happened all year long. Like, so there you go. I mean, turnover luck is a thing. I mean, if, if a team fumbles the ball five times and all five are picked up by the other team, you got really unlucky. That happened with the Duke-Miami game. They had five fumbles. All five were recovered by Duke. Now they mixed in three interceptions for good measure, but <laughs> I mean, that is, that's rare. So I think Syracuse is crashing back down to earth in a lot of ways. They've had the injury at quarterback. They're light up front. Teams are able to run on them. They're getting worn down further into the season. They get, they're starting not to win every weekend, the turnover battle like they were for the first six weeks. It bodes well the timing of this game. Let's see if we're mature enough to go take care of business. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. up hour number one jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio war chant tv reminder not quite live today guys and by not quite we're not live at all we're not live this was this was uh recorded a little earlier today with the schools having uh the day off my kids are at home lots of people having to hustle and figure it out as weather is pending uh but in addition there's a lot of construction being done here in the studio so we may be here at the house again tomorrow 
on Elevations Friday as well. But we will get you fresh content is the point. I just need to tell you that it's not live. So that's how that's how that's going to work. Uh, you'll probably see this same setup with Dr. J behind me. Um, that's an autograph, Dr. J, damn it. Uh, behind me and, and, and some candles and, the, and the, all that. And the ball that was given to me by Mike Norvell and uh, all that good stuff. So there you go. That's the important thing, too. I'll stump for us for a minute. We've got the pregame show at 7 o'clock on Saturday, Zaxby's War Chant Game Day. And last week you did light the candle during the Miami pregame show at 630. Oh, okay. That is going to have to be a mandatory part of the pregame show proceedings this weekend is we need some candles. Got to yeah. get the, uh, the Brian Kelly one to be specific. You know, the Brian Kelly candle, I can tell you, is currently lit in the study. It is it is lit right now. It's gloomy outside, so yeah. And now he has become the Alabama slammer because he just <laughs> laid a slammer down on Alabama. <laughs> I do like, you know, I got to give Brian Kelly credit here. This made me laugh. Uh, did you see the locker room celebration? And uh, some uh, one of the one of the LSU players was yelling to the other LSU players as they were all gathered around to celebrate. And they kind of had the circle, like they were about to give out game balls and stuff. And guys, and the guy yelled out, this is why, this is why you come to LSU. And he was all fired. Right. right? And the camera kind of pans to him and you see Brian Kelly over by the doorway. And then they, after he stopped, after all the players got done yelling, he's like, you're damn right. That's why we're here. You're damn right. I was like, there you go. (laughs) There you go. That's good. That's good, Brian. Loosen up. It's okay. You don't have to fake it anymore. Look, I'm I'm all locked in for this game this weekend because I want us to finish the job. You win this one, you're going to win at minimum eight games this season, which is huge. And and it's then it becomes that the pressure shifts from the football field to the living rooms and the high schools and the phone calls and the FaceTimes. You got to close on the recruiting trail. But, you know, I'm looking forward even still beyond that. Uh, because that game with LSU next year in Orlando now massive. I mean, it's now that they've beaten Alabama. No matter what happens to LSU the rest of the year, they're going to play at Texas A&M the final week of the year. So they'll be our best friends that day as well. But LSU is now in a place where the hype machine for the Sunday of Labor Day weekend in Orlando next year, you can't stop it. Look at where we're going. Look at what they've done. That's going to be a massive game. You thought that there was a little bit extra hype for this one this year because of programs on the rise. Programs have arrived. That's going to be the talking point next year, right or wrong. That's going to be so much fun to be the season opener. It is going to be a lot of fun. And the the two programs seem to be mirroring each other, right? Um, Now, LSU had a bunch of really good players um, when Brian Kelly got there. And that is a built-in advantage. And make no mistake, Brian Kelly only left Notre Dame to go win a national championship. He knew he would probably not be able to win a national championship at Notre Dame. He got them to as far as you can get them to. He got them to win 10 games every year and go to the uh, college football playoff where they got trounced. Uh, but they weren't they weren't going to win a national championship there. Uh, history shows us without question that you can win a national championship at LSU. Well, the last three coaches have. Um, so he's there to do that, and he'll be able to recruit. And I have a hunch – LSU will win a national championship under Brian Kelly. And uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I have a hunch that they will. Uh, they're invested, Tom. Yeah. Uh, they, they care deeply. How about this question? Uh, three years from now, the 2025 season, mm. which program is stronger in the SEC West, Alabama or LSU? It's a great question because I, I sense in that question that you believe Alabama is teetering on uh, 
falling a rung below on the ladder. And what I mean by that is they were worthy of the highest praise possible for a very, very, very long period of time. We are seeing some cracks. We are seeing moments, some coaching mistakes on game day, some things that suggest that perhaps, just perhaps, Nick Saban's getting tired, finally. Nick right. Saban's getting old, finally. And that maybe the time to pounce is now, which is what I think Jimbo Fisher felt when he went to Texas A&M. He wanted to go to a program that was investing, throwing huge sums of money at the problem for all the bells and whistles. Jimbo trusted himself to go recruit, given those built-in advantages. And then if you have better players, you can obviously overcome whatever coaching deficiencies you might have. I'm sure he doesn't look at it that way, but that's true. And he probably figured that it would coincide at a time that as A&M rose, Alabama might fall just, just a notch below where they were, and that would enable him to pounce. And what you've got to be desperate about if you're a Texas A&M fan is now LSU went out and got Brian Kelly. Auburn's about to hire a new coach. We'll see if that makes a difference or not. Auburn is dysfunctional, but you can win there, and they're invested. So we'll see who they bring in. It, does he have the magic elixir to, to get Auburn back? Where Because, you know, they'll play for a national championship at Auburn. We've seen it. You know, it, it does happen. Yeah. So that West is fierce, and the fight for that domination is going to take place over the next four years. And it's hard to bet against LSU in that fight, Tom. It really is because Brian Kelly is a good coach. I know people don't like Brian Kelly. He's given us plenty of ammunition over the years not to like him. But he's a good coach. And LSU's going to recruit because they'll throw dollars at it. And it's a fun place to play football. I mean, honestly, if you're a kid in Louisiana and they come call it and you're an elite defensive lineman, where else are you going? you got to go to LSU. So they get they get the trenches. They get the trenches. And, I, you know, my argument, I think my argument's going to be that it, it'll be LSU. Yeah, I, I think it could very well be. The other thing is that you have Georgia taking away, you know, the top line from Alabama and spreading out that five-star mm -hmm. talent across a couple of programs. So that opens the door. If they're not buttoned up and perfectly efficient as they typically are, that also opens the door a little bit. I, I think it would be neck and neck. It's not like Alabama is going to be a perennial nine-win team. I'm just saying that who is positioned better at the end of three years, you know, a motivated Brian Kelly with motivated boosters is a tough thing to deal with, especially when you got a win in year one. That That is a landmark win right off the bat for Brian yeah. Kelly. George is recruiting well. Tennessee, I think, will continue to recruit well. That's an exciting offense, so you're going to take some players off Alabama's plate. Ohio State will continue to do so as well. And we'll see, listen, the East suddenly got interesting. Tennessee, Florida, Georgia. Right. I mean, the East has been garbage in the SEC for a while, other than, like, these days, Georgia. But now, like, that – I mean, watch that play out. And just think about how fun this is going to be when we're talking about this as, you know, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Florida State. I mean, just think how fun that's going to be then, buddy. What an East that'll be. Well, I'll tell you what, whether or not Florida State is in that division or not, if this offense continues to produce as it is, it's going to be very, very attractive to top-line talent as well. And so Alabama's had a monopoly with Clemson and, and well, I guess it would be an oligarchy, with Clemson and Ohio State on the state of Florida. If they wanted somebody, these they programs got it. Yeah. were going to come in and get them. Now Georgia is dipping in there, Tennessee. Look, maybe Florida retains some players. I think we're going to retain some players. So Alabama just doesn't have the market cornered anymore. And they certainly don't have the trenches cornered in the state of Louisiana. So are we going to an era of college football that's going to be a lot more parity laden? Maybe this is the beginning of it.
Let's hope. Let's hope. It's better for us as, as consumers. Just It just is. It's, it makes the whole product better. Competitive balance is important in any sport. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.